the quality of the artwork is appalling. Um, this is very, very basic stuff um, made by people who are not artists. People who I think are trying to cash in on a trend at the moment. And um, they seem to be people that have not been able to succeed within the art world. of Art Gallery Private and Public and this is the Bailiwick Express podcast. I am the arts editor Elodie Rosoules. What do Jack Dorsey's first ever tweet, the Charlie Bit My Finger video and Yan Cat all have in common? They were all sold as NFTs, non-fungible tokens probably best described as digital assets with no tangible form. While Chris says there might be an interesting proposition, it does not mince his words when discussing how NFTs have recently been used to sell digital art. Earlier this year, digital artwork from Beeple Crab sold for 69 million US dollars at a Christie's auction. As Chris says, that's when everyone went, what is an AFT? I asked him to answer that very question. An NFT stands for a non-fungible token, uh, and it's a tradable digital ownership certificate representing the ownership of a unique asset, basically. Um, it sits within a blockchain. Uh, which collects information together in groups or blocks, uh, and it means that virtual art can become tradable. Um, however, most NFT art is stored in the blockchain of the Ethereum cryptocurrency, uh, and this has a massively heavy carbon footprint. Uh, and so, you know, collectors, uh, if you like, are encouraged to obtain their NFT art if that's what they want to do through a different cryptocurrency uh, with a lower carbon footprint or simply to avoid NFT art altogether. You touch upon um, about the controversy around the environmental issues uh, linked to NFTs. Could, could you tell a little bit more uh, about that? Well, um, anyone that, that, that wants to Google cryptocurrency and environmental damage will see that there's been a whole host of Uh, research reports done by eminent academics uh, across the world. Um, in order to uh, run and produce Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and to mine it as well, there are people that mine these currencies um, online, uh, they require a huge amount of energy. These are warehouses full of servers uh, that are uh, burning vast amounts of electricity. Uh, and so there is an extremely uh, environmentally damaging form uh, of uh, cultural behavior, if you like. Um, the most interesting statistic I read on this recently was that cryptocurrencies and NFTs use annually the same amount of energy as Argentina as a country. So if we can begin to understand that, then we can begin to understand that the uh, issue of the, the environment, which is hugely important for everyone, it has gone off the radar a bit over the last year, 18 months because of COVID, uh, but it will come back into view very sharply. Um, this is something that runs contrary to uh, current thinking, uh, academic scholarship about how humans should behave uh, in the future. Uh, how they can protect and conserve the planet and what actions they should be taking. 
uh, to conserve what we have at the moment. So um, it's a controversial issue in that regard. And um, is the art industry in general, uh, the, the traditional one, um, more green than NFTs then? Um, I, uh, yes, I think the answer to that is probably yes. Um, the traditional art world has been criticized uh, at times in the past. It's more in relation to the big international art fairs, um, which have sprung up over the last 10 to 15 years in places like Basel, Art Basel Miami Beach, Art Basel Hong Kong, which is another franchise of it, Freeze Art Fair, uh, which exists in London and New York. These are events where the major international art dealers from around the world will fly with a team of, of gallery staff uh, and uh, ship with them huge amounts of art in massive wooden packing cases. Uh, they'll go to these art fairs. These art fairs are sort of temporarily set up, if you like, for uh, a week and two weeks in, in marquees, which are then taken down. But the carbon footprint from art dealers and obviously the art audience, there is a big international art market now and people at the top end of that market uh, will have private jets and private helicopters and all those kind of things. Um, so there is a carbon footprint. There has been some criticism leveled against the, the top tier of the international art market for these type of events. Um, when all the wooden packing cases uh, arrive at, say, New York, uh, they, all get, they all get sort of thrown away. Nothing gets reused. So there are some issues around that that people need to be very aware of. Um, obviously, there hasn't been any art fairs for 18 months gathering of huge numbers of people in public places has not been allowed legally um, but uh, I think all of that will get uh, looked at at some point in the future about how we do business um, is it necessary to have a big international art fair all of it's kind of gone online nowadays um, that does make it rather unwieldy um, and difficult to navigate it's not fun in the same way as it was to going to a big art fair and bumping into friends and bumping into artists and looking at interesting things that you hadn't expected to see. The, the, the actual physical engagement with the artwork is still the most important thing. Has there been any interest in Jersey about um, NFTs and um, what advice did you give to those people when they asked, is, this, is it maybe a, worth, a worthy investment? Uh, I haven't had anybody ask me in Jersey uh, whether they wanted to, whether it was interesting to buy an NFT. Um, it's not to say that Jersey isn't a culturally sophisticated place and it isn't to say that there aren't people here that are um, interested in cryptocurrencies. In fact, I think just a few doors down from where we're sitting now is the world's largest offshore cryptocurrency bank. Um, and uh, that's an interesting proposition for Jersey uh, as an international finance center. But um, people aren't asking for it. Um, if they are looking at it, they won't be talking to me about it. They'll be going on to platforms like OpenSea, where you get millions and millions of digital images, uh, all of which have a price, uh, and you can buy them. Uh, and when you buy them, you get your NFT, your certificate of digital ownership. Um, and so art dealers, in a way, are cut out of that equation. So it's not surprising that I haven't really been asked about it. I have been asked about it, but not should I make one or should I buy one or that sort of thing. Um, there have been some people that, that, that have suggested it would be a good thing for the gallery to do. Um, I personally don't think it would be. Um, Why? Well, if you look at, and this is it's an aesthetic question to begin with, but... Um, 
if you look at the quality of the artworks on display and you have to spend hours trawling through these these websites and i have done that exercise um the quality of the artwork is appalling um this is very very basic stuff um made by people who are not artists people who i think are trying to cash in on a trend at the moment and um they seem to be people that have not been able to succeed within the art world. They seem to be people who sit outside of conventional uh, structures within society in which artists are encouraged to develop uh, their ideas, their personality, their products. Um, and they, um, the, the NFT makers of the moment, uh, have very little visual skills. Uh, if you look at the, the, the platforms like OpenSea, to give you a, they look like sort of Japanese anima, digital, pixelated cartoon characters of little dogs going for a poo whilst they're waving at you. It's childish beyond belief. Um, the slightly more advanced uh, stuff that you see feels like really bad graphic design from the 1980s. Um, you'll see lots of stuff that looks like it's badly airbrushed. Uh, I had a look uh, at one this morning before I got into this interview and it was a really bad drawing of a Viking covered in tattoos standing on a surfboard. Uh, the surfboard was on the back of a unicorn. The unicorn was riding another surfboard on the top of a wave which was crashing onto a beach filled with skeletons. It's just awful. And, um, I can't even picture that. <laughs> it's a tough thing to imagine, um, but it, it feels like sort of sci-fi fantasy art. And I think a lot of the people that are making this are techies. So they're young people uh, who've maybe no interest in art, no interest in the history of art, no interest in, in art as a cultural manifestation of a society's values or beliefs. They're people that are uh, sitting at home in their bedrooms uh, making this stuff in the hope that they can get rich quick. It sounds a lot like a trend. So is there a risk for any buyer who's jumping on it just now and buying like this, those NFT art um, that they might be out of pocket in a few years when they try and sell it and no one is interested anymore. It's already dropped 70%. The market for NFTs has dropped 70% since March. So when there was that auction uh, I mentioned earlier in New York with the Beeblecrap uh, image, then uh, the market has dropped uh, for NFTs. Cryptocurrencies collapsed uh, around about two months ago. Uh, they hit rock bottom as well. People lost millions, billions of pounds, uh, and it's not crept back yet. People have invested in it. Um, Elon Musk uh, bought, I think it was $150 billion worth of Bitcoin uh, around about two months ago. The energy used in the acquisition of the Bitcoin um, negated all of the carbon savings from every single car that Tesla has sold. It's so mad. It is an insane thing to think about in terms of energy and a man who pertains to have uh, green credentials uh, and the long-term future uh, of the environment at, at the sort of core mission of his company would invest in, in such a cryptocurrency. So, so these are the issues that people need to be made aware of. Um, is it a good investment? No, it's a bubble. It's an artificial bubble that has been stoked at the front end uh, to try and generate interest. And it feels to me like a Ponzi scheme. 
um, there doesn't seem to be any real value and it's not backed up with anything. Now, if anyone wants to kind of get a handle on, on how you ascertain what value is within the art market and how it is, uh, how is, it, it is agreed upon, there's a very, very straightforward strategy for this or uh, an explanation for this. And it, it starts as when you're a young person and you feel like you're a creative person and you're interested in art and you make a decision to do art at school and, and to then go on to university. Now, if you go on to university, you study at art school and you work really hard and you read a lot and you go to lots of things and you develop your skills as, a, as an artist and as a person, uh, when you get to graduate, you will probably get a first. And, and if you're lucky, and a lot of this is right time, right place, but you'll get picked up by a really good art dealer in London, in New York, uh, in Beijing, Shanghai, wherever it might be, they will take you on. They will develop your career as an artist. They will invest a lot of money in you. You become a gallery artist. You become retained. And you start to exhibit your work. And they sell your work at a low price point to begin with. They tell the collectors that they believe in you. They tell the collectors that they think this work is interesting. But there's no financial risk for collectors at that stage. You're talking about stuff that's a thousand, two thousand, three thousand pounds. In terms of the art market, it's minuscule. And then they nurture and develop that artist's career over three years, five years, and they push the prices up. And as the artist's work develops and it becomes more prominent, the art market buys into it in an academic sense. So you'll get critics will will write good reviews about it, journalists will write about it. Museum people will start to come and talk about it, and the work will be uh, accessioned into big corporate collections. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, museums will acquire the work. Um, this is a set formula. This has been uh, the way of it for centuries, actually. Um, once the work has, has gone into a museum collection, it's called museum validation. Um, people will often then, who own works already, maybe think that they will cash in on them. They'll sell them. Maybe they just have to sell them for whatever reason. And we have what's then called the secondary market. This is the auction records. And if we can see that an artist's secondary market auction records are increasing in value, their art becomes what's known as investment grade. So that's when I can say to my clients, we have art on the walls by an artist and it is investment grade. And that's often what we do, I do, with the gallery that I run in Jersey. From what you're saying about the NFT, I understand that you you don't really see them as an investment value just now, and you you, you don't you don't see it as an opportunity for Jersey uh, finance industry. Implicit in your question is this idea that NFTs were created for art, and and there is no relationship between the creation of an NFT, which is a, a technical structure that sits online, uh, and art. Um, some artists have used it to try and create an artificial market. There's a great difference. Now, there are things, uh, if you read about it, for example, there's, there's been some people recently saying that the uh, legal and conveyancing uh, sections that deal with property could be uh, completely decimated by NFTs. The argument is that your property could be an NFT. Uh, so that property trading, the buying and selling of a house, could be conducted uh, through blockchain, through uh, NFTs bought and sold. And, and of course, what does that really mean? What are you really buying? You're buying a digital certificate, a proof of ownership. But of course, the lawyers will say, well, there needs to be a survey done. We need to see if there's any damp in the room. We need to see if the building is structurally sound, if there's 
other issues with neighbours and things like this and boundaries. So it seems to me to be um, an interesting idea, but probably one not borne out by reality at this moment in time. I, I, I make it clear that I'm not against NFTs. It's just a piece of technology. Um, and it creates opportunities and it can create wealth and it could create enormous opportunities within the financial services sector uh, and it might do in art. But at this stage, uh, it doesn't stack up. I think we discussed that before, but some people only see um, the, the investment value in a piece of art. Um, do, do you think that that takes away some of the joy from, from art itself? When that happens, and obviously this, this is what's happening with NFTs and art as well, is that people only see the investment you know, I have I have people that collect art that work with me that are collectors that buy art uh, at the very top end of the international art market. They won't mind paying half a million, a million, two million pounds, sometimes more for something. Uh, they buy it purely as an investment. Um, it's disappointing when they do that. I mean, obviously, as a businessman, I'm part of the the transaction. But um, when you see something very beautiful on a wall in a gallery at an art fair wherever it might be uh, and you buy it on behalf of your client and you know that it's going into a wooden packing case and it's going to be sent to Switzerland and it will be put into a high security uh, tax-free storage facility for three, five, ten years until it increases in such value uh, that it gets brought back out onto the open market and sold at auction. It's mildly depressing for someone like me who likes art, who wants to look at art and wants other people to see really good art. Um, there is a sadness in that, of course. Um, but it's equally depressing looking at an NFT on a screen. You know, am I going to buy one? You know, realistically, um, having seen the quality of the artwork? Um, no. And, and the idea that I would then have, if I, even if I did, that the only way that I could really enjoy it would be by looking at it on my iPhone or on my laptop and go, hey, this is great. doesn't fill me with any joy at all because the, the great thing about art is looking at it up close and seeing what it's really like, having that emotional experience, that connection with it, and that's not there through a flat digital screen. It just doesn't feel the same. Especially because you, you don't get any special perks by, by owning it. Everyone would have just exactly the same access as you have to it. So you don't get anything else. You don't get anything else. There, there, um, there have been some uh, attempts, I think, quite recently to try and create NFT exhibitions. Um, this is something where there is a physical artwork uh, in a gallery space. And there is also a, a copy of it, which is an NFT. Um, this to me feels very strange. Um, what am I buying? If I walk in and I buy an oil painting, and it's a beautiful oil painting of, say, uh, the sea, uh, and it's made by an artist who pertains to have uh, green or environmental kind of concerns. They love the planet, they love nature, they paint landscapes and seascapes, and they celebrate the beauty of the natural environment. Uh, but then next to it, uh, there is an option to buy it as an NFT as well. Um, I would be calling out that artist and saying, are you not sure? Are you sure that you're, you're wanting to do this because of the environmental potential damage that this product could cause? Um, that's one thing. Uh, I think that's really important for artists to understand. Artists who say they have green credentials but then create NFTs, uh, I think will be accused of uh, hypocrisy. 
Um, but then back to the issue of ownership, if I, if I buy the painting uh, and someone else buys the NFT of the painting, who owns what? And, and I can only see, I mean, that this is going to lead to problems in the future. And there have uh, been several examples. I'm afraid I, I can't give you, uh, you can Google this, they'll come up very quickly. Um, I can't give you actual examples uh, in the here and now, but there have been some cases where people have felt that the blockchain um, that they are in has provided them with the ownership and it hasn't. So the technology has been at fault also. So there are some issues around that, that, that sort of send some hairs running, if you like, uh, and, and, and give me some concerns. More and more art has become available online. And I think that has kind of um, led to some kind of devaluation in people's minds because they think that they, they don't have to go and see it in the flesh because they've seen it online already. Um, do, do you think that NFT could accelerate um, that kind of devaluation of art? Um, no, there's always going to be people that want to uh, own art, see art, look at art. Um, NFT is, is, is a relatively new thing. Uh, you might say it's a flash in the pan, you might say it's uh, a fad, you might say it's a bubble. And if you think about the, uh, I mean, just we're, we're in the European context, the canon of Western art, um, you know, from Roman culture, Greek culture, um, museums, statues, paintings, tapestries, ceramic pieces. Our culture, our civilization is wrapped up in museums, large cultural institutions, millions of people uh, work within that industry. Millions and millions of people go and see these things every year. Millions and millions of people collect art, tangible art, things for their homes, things that improve the quality of their lives, things that make them happy. Um, scale of that market is extraordinary it's worth it's priceless actually um yeah i mean you probably could monetize it in some way they, they say that the international contemporary art market is worth something like 64 billion us dollars annually that's the amount of people that are buying new works of art uh annually um then there's there's the old masters and all that stuff as well so NFT hasn't even got anywhere near this. And to think that an NFT could unpick all of that, could provide a threat to that, to uh, mean that the next generation of, of humans sit around looking at screens to try and enjoy culture is utterly ridiculous. Thank you, Chris, for your time. That was the Belly Week podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like and share it. The music intro is I Shift My Weight by Luno. More on the podcast next week.